0: Hi everyone, it is Blake and Allison.
1: Oh boy, we got hit by Mercury (laughs) Retrograde and we lost our next episode. (laughs)
0: Uh, We were supposed to have a brand new episode for you this week, but we actually went back and listened to one of our first episodes and we thought that it was still quite applicable. So in case you haven't heard a con artist's guide to the apocalypse, which is not quite as scary as it sounds, it's actually quite helpful. We think you will enjoy it or you might enjoy just listening to it again. You might hear something you didn't hear the first time.
1: And let us know what you think on this one since it's the second time around.
0: You're listening to the Con Artist Podcast.
1: The Art of Confidence Through the Creative Mind with Allison Robertson
0: and Blake McIver. Hi, everyone.
1: Hi. Hi, I-
0: Allison.
1: Hello, Blake. I am so happy to be back.
0: Oh, second episode. Very exciting. It's very exciting. I had so much fun last week. Last week was way fun. Mm-hmm. Way, mm-hmm. way fun. Um, and this week is going to be fun in a different way. It's going to be in fun formative.
1: (laughs) It is. Well, you know, it's, uh, we have some thoughts we have to get out. That's for sure.
0: Yes. It's a heavy time right now. And we uh, wanted, since we started this podcast in the middle of, you know, a global pandemic, a social crisis, (laughs) an election year, we just thought like, Let's just acknowledge what's going on right off the bat so that we can refer back to this episode as we move forward in other topics that we want to talk about. So we're calling episode two, A Con Artist's Guide to the Apocalypse. (laughs) A cheery title I came up with.
1: (laughs) But it is. And and we want to share our thoughts on all of those enormous subjects, uh, just so that people know where we stand and how we feel and moving forward, how it colors our worlds. Yes, right. Yes. Um, and it has been quite the wild ride have Gosh since,
0: is- yeah, I mean this whole year, but you know specifically since our first shutdown, um, we're not we don't know where all of you are listening to us from, but uh, we were early on the shutdown list in Los Angeles. Um, Allison and I do not live too far from each other, so we were both uh, similarly affected. And I remember I was over at your house, gosh, two days before the shutdown. I think it was two or three we days before the- the Yeah. With, and with Melissa was there, our producer was there as well. And um, I was kind of not handling the reality of it yet and sort of going, okay, yeah, well, they're not going to, we're not going to live in a police state. There's not going to be tanks down the street. Well, <laughs> oops. I mean, it was
1: six, you know, four or five months ago. And it just feels a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so surreal. And it's one of the things that I've been saying during our shelter and stay, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, is that I keep saying I have mad skills. I have mad skills of understanding. I have mad skills of gratitude. I have mad skills of compassion. And I am having a difficult time really putting point A and point B together. Yeah. So it it really is an incredible time. And I I don't judge anybody on how they're dealing with it. (laughs) Absolutely not. Other than I want everyone to follow yes. the rules. Yes. Well, that very that. Yes. My rule follower is up on guard and she is she is she is barricading oh, yeah. the doors and she wants everyone yes. to follow the rules. I mean, that is my thing. And I want the right. rules. Well, I want the CDC
0: the said this week, I mean, we're not a news podcast, so, you know, don't don't hold me to any information that I've read on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but.
1: It's the middle of July, and we are just getting right. information. Uh, but they right? did
0: say that the we could we wouldn't be able to eradicate the virus in six months, but we would be able to contain the virus in as quickly as four weeks if everyone in the country wore a mask. Four weeks, everyone. We could have this whole thing contained. That's everyone. crazy.
1: Just listen to CNN; you can hear that like that's not right, going to no. happen because everyone's opinion on. Why they should or shouldn't wear a mask, but I I heard something really interesting. Speaking of, we are not a news (laughs) podcast, you know that there are guidelines for restaurants, there are health codes for restaurants, and you would never violate that. You would just abide by. You can just
0: get shut down.
1: Yes, because you would get shut down. So how is this any different? Like, why can't people understand this? This is not against you. This is for your well-being. This is for. This is a health.
0: Well, victim. I have a theory this about that, a- but I'm going to save that for when we get into some of the more um, politically inclined specifics of this. But I do have I do have a theory on this.
1: Okay, so one of the things is how we're coping right. in quarantine, right? You feel yeah. that, right? What is dealing in quarantine?
0: How are you? <laughs> well, I'm going to be quarantine? since this is our our podcast. I'm going to be really. Uh, brutally honest, I didn't deal with it for the first three months. I, um, my friends were getting married a- out in Palm Springs, and so we already were planning to be out there for the weekend. We lost our hotel room, obviously, which was fine because uh, no one else. The wedding got uh, postponed, and obviously, no one else was there. So we went and stayed with our friends in Palm Springs the weekend that would have been their wedding weekend just to kind of entertain them. And we just thought, you know, again, this was right at the beginning of quarantine or not even, it was the the shelter in place happened the day after what was to be their wedding and we were already there. And so literally they said, why don't you just stay? There's, we've got room and quite frankly, and honestly a pool and (laughs) which was a game changer. And so, We really didn't. We went back to LA, grabbed a bunch of clothes uh, to stay, and we sort of indefinitely camped out there. Now we were busy. We were doing live streams and other people's podcasts and benefit concerts. And uh, I did a, a live stream concert. I mean, we were constantly working and busy. So because of that, I didn't do, I never had the first couple of weeks of quarantine thing where everyone was like, oh, I didn't take my sweatpants off today or oh i didn't i haven't washed my hair in a week you know like the, i was on camera every day if not every other day and so i just didn't i just barreled through which now i'm having to deal with the aftermath of that because the pendulum does swing eventually you can only distract yourself for so long and so now i'm having to get really creative now that i'm back in my own home space is to how i navigate this so tell me about you how, <laughs> how how you navigate the new the normal, new normal yes.
1: right?
0: Yes. Well, when we first went into quarantine, of
1: course, you know, I live in a multi generational household. So I have my parents and I have my children. And I-, I was also living with my boyfriend for the first time. So it was a this thing mm-hmm. where I was like, oh my God, everything was right. new and shelter in place. And it was sort of literally like we ran away to an mm-hmm. island. It literally was like Gilligan's Island. How am I gonna keep everyone safe? How am I gonna keep everyone alive? Who's going to the grocery store? No one touch everything, sanitize. I mean, it was a little militant. Mm -hmm. So I was having an opposite. But at the same time, it was like trying to figure out a new schedule. And the children were being
0: home. Oh right, they were still in school for another three, for the first three months, essentially.
1: So you had six personalities trying to figure out how they felt about it, how they're gonna cope, and you had a fe- right. you have fear and Melissa and I were still trying to do we see, cl- we, still, we can still see clients. We can still run our business. Are we running the business? This feels weird. People are losing their jobs. People are getting furloughed. What? just the amount of information that was coming in. So we too were busy. We've still got dressed. We still right. did a, you know, we're your confidence coaches. We did not fall into, I'm going to watch Netflix, eat ice right. cream and, and pretend the world is shutting yeah. down. So I too, like you, had a very similar thing, and and I started discovering things. You and I, Marco Polo, mm-hmm. which is a a, a video chat uh, app. Chat app. Um, I started communicating with people differently. I started communicating with people that I have never communicated with as much. Mm-hmm. So all these different forms started coming up. It wasn't until it became a reality that we were really staying here, like because I thought it was gonna be two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month. Yeah. And when I all this heard in my head, like, oh no, no, we're we're gonna be here mm-hmm. for a while. Honestly, being brutally honest, my anxiety shot through the roof. I'm not a girl who is supposed to stay in the house. I need feedback. I need, to, I need the world to reflect mm-hmm. who I am, run around. I need to wear my high heels. I, I need to be in the world. So I had a tough time. I really did. Yeah. I really did. But then some positive things came up. We started a garden. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, yes, <laughs> little things.
1: We got hobbies. Right. Uh, we're all. Everyone we in the household's cooking, but things like we've never cooked before—Asian cuisine mm. and baking. I mean, everyone's right. baking. Everyone's baked something, but, but things that it's—it's just. I haven't. Really... I haven't
0: baked anything.
1: My mother started making
0: masks. That's right, she did.
1: And I'm going to tell you something right now. She made so many masks that we were able to pay for the DWP. I mean, like it Amazing. was crazy. Plus, we started making masks that she started sending out to frontline workers. So nursing homes and we sent some masks to hospitals in oh, Michigan. that's great. So in a way there was some really positive things that came out of it too. But the anxiety, woof I haven't felt that anxiety yeah. in 20 years. Yeah, it was very
0: real. It hit, it hit me too towards the end of Palm Springs when I realized that, yeah, this was not, not only was this a new normal, this was a new indefinite normal. And I think now we're really seeing that uh, this could go on. Definitely. It's definitely going on until the end of the year. Uh, if not longer,
1: we're we're definitely still having this conversation in twenty twenty one. In what capacity? No, I, I don't think we ha- we don't have know. a no. magic magic gate is we not going to tell us. At but this
0: time. um, but yeah. yeah, it's and and I think we're all just having to readjust and do things like this, having conversations. I think literally speaking on. Speaking on the issues, even the small ones, uh, is really helpful. You know, not everybody is, uh, privileged or blessed enough to have access to a mental health care professional at all times. Uh, if you do, fantastic. And I hope you are seeing your therapist on Zoom. Um, but if not, you know, you, you need to, you still need to speak these things out of your body so that they don't become debilitating. And I'm saying that as for myself as much as I am for anyone who's listening to this.
1: And I will be honest too, is that once we went on quarantine, you know, we were talking about Mm -hmm. doing this. We were talking about doing podcasts and it did have an idea and we did have, you know, okay, we think this is the path. And honestly, I think once we went into shelter in place, all of a sudden our voices got louder for this. So I think that that was another positive for for
0: together. Well, and the conversations that we were having were, a little bit different of course just like everyone else but we were realizing that those conversations were still something relevant to share on this particular podcast right
1: right and i'm hoping that our podcast will allow people to say like okay they'll they'll have conversations our conversation will spark other conversations and it will just continue and continue and continue. that's
0: the goal that's the goal Yes, 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 yes. All yes. right, let's uh, do a, a slight revisiting of one of our first topics from the first episode. I want to talk a little bit specifically since we're talking about current, the current situation and what's going on. I want to talk about how the imposter syndrome that we introduced last week sort of plays into right now and in light of everything that's going on. The obvious one that I wrote down this week is like obviously we're we're inundated with political imposters. <laughs> well-
1: <laughs> And because we're talking, you know, we are the con artist and and it's somebody who, you know, persuades someone to believe something that's not true. And the imposter syndrome is a psychological syndrome. It's someone who doesn't believe their achievements and is at the same time is constantly in fear of being found out that they're a fraud. Now, you brought it up in the political arena. I did. The researcher. Um, People that have imposter syndrome can also have a hyper-secure imposter syndrome. Uh Uh-oh. And when they have a hyper-secure imposter syndrome, they can have behavior that they attribute their success to the belief that they are more intelligent than everyone and even in not responding to protocol or diplomacy.
0: You don't say... You don't say. Wow. I mean, if that is not an accurate description of the sitting president, I don't know what is.
1: Well, that is why I thought you would find my research so interesting. So
0: fascinating.
1: That it was like a classic definition of Donald Trump.
0: Right. Right. Which is this this weird corner of you know we've been talking a lot about the the positive sides of overcoming imposter syndrome and but like I think it's also interesting to deal with the negative side of overcoming imposter syndrome because when you have an actual clinical imposter syndrome that is met with then an actual clinical narcissistic personality disorder,
1: and that was this that was the second part is that is because of the narcissistic personality disorder, right that he believes he can get away with anything of course so that is how imposter syndrome is completely running rampant you know? i ah. mean and this is why like he, he just believes he can get away with anything and has no because he actually believes he's smarter than everybody
0: right that's the difference that's because we we talked a lot last week about like artist imposters and how we as 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 we nourish our artistic side and as we express our artistic side you know we we have that fear of being found out, and we talked about it even like big CEOs of companies and and that fear of like oh no am I a fraud like the the narcissistic personality version of this never actually has that impulse they think that they are grander and greater and better and smarter than everyone exactly yeah. grandiosity that's the word I was looking for
1: and the imposter syndrome with our sitting president is what keeps him from acting presidential right you know everyone's thinking like oh he'll finally act presidential He's- <laughs>
0: never going to happen
1: never it, it it is actually keeping him from acting presidential yeah
0: i i keep uh laughing because i i've struggled since you know for the past 4 years of like how to deal with it. I didn't want to call him the president. I didn't want to call him 45 because that just felt like a Twitter thing. And I like it just all sort of like was gross to me. And so I've, I've settled on sitting president, first of all, because he sits more than he does anything else. <laughs> I like So it. yes. So yes, that's a read. That is shade. If you're not watching and you're just hearing, that is shade. I like um, it. But also it's like a, a sitting president can be removed from that seat. So I'm putting all my positive energy towards a, a seat removal.
1: <laughs> Uplifted and, and removed. Yes. I mean, it, it is really crazy. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that I'm sure everyone in Washington, I mean, if 70% of the population is inflicted by the imposter syndrome, then you have to assume that most of Washington has this going on but i think they they're having it from a position of oh i ho- i hope i don't get found out that i don't know what i'm doing but i but they're hopefully doing what they think is best for the country
0: exactly well and i think that's the key because like it does take a certain amount of inherent narcissism to govern to be someone who wants to get into politics to be a representative of any kind because you do have to think so
1: confidence.
0: i yes. confidence yeah i mean that really is Straight up confidence. I have enough wherewithal to make decisions for that will affect other people's lives. But there's a really wonderful kind of person that gets a calling to that. But there's also a really terrible person that feels deserving of that position.
1: And because of because it, it trickles down, right? I think we're seeing so much of this malignant imposter syndrome right now. Right. Which I don't recall maybe I don't know if it's be, we're not I wasn't aware of it or it wasn't so much in my my purview, but wow, I just can't believe the amount of malignant imposter syndrome that we are seeing in the political arena right now. the totally. amount of belief of untouchability that we are seeing with other people's lives at stake, not just political right that political sides being Want to be won over, but people's lives at stake. That's that's what gets me as a compassionate person,
0: right? And as an empathic person, um, yeah. we've had. I mean, we you know, luckily being in the state of California, we've we've gotten to see our governor really step up to the plate and wow. do some wonderful things, and really show yeah. uh, show even more. Uh, I mean, I voted for him, but he earned my trust more in the past uh, few months than even before.
1: Gavin Newsom. Yeah, I mean, yeah. really. Even when he makes decisions that are tough decisions, he, I can see that he weighed it out. He he's making thoughtful choices. Yes, he's thinking it through. Um, he's and also-
0: listening to experts around him, which is the other key. Why
1: why why would we not listen to experts? I don't <laughs> understand. That. But it goes back it. to my first definition because yes. you that you are more intelligent than everyone around you, even rejecting protocol and diplomacy.
0: That's it right there. Well, and, and the other uh, part of this is that we're seeing a lot of, and this is sort of bridging us, I'm, I'm preemptively bridging us into our next topic, uh, even though I want to talk a little bit more about another kind of imposter syndrome. Um, but this kind of period in the world and what we're all kind of going through right now, whether it's quarantine or the fear of, of the, the Virus or p- knowing people that have the virus, uh, this kind of a crisis, this kind of a pandemic, it it all it really does is it just puts a microscope on who people already are. So good people are showing themselves even greater, mm-hmm. and bad people are showing themselves even more terrible. It's like I, on my on my artist side of things, I liken it to a tech week in, in a live. Play or musical, <laughs> you immediately know who your castmates are about hour seven of day one of tech. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. The, the, yes. That is, anyone that has never been through a tech week of a theater production, the absolute granular personality trait that you do not want to see of you...
0: Will be right there. Comes
1: out. And you are either buying flowers, champagne, mm-hmm. candy for the... For the cast, (laughs) or you're going home crying because you can't believe your behavior. Right. Right. But here's the thing. I think it's okay during this time period for people to have a real emotion, to have a real breakdown, to have a real emotional moment, as long as they're aware to be like, oh my God, I am so sorry. I am... I mean, I guess I'm being really real right now, but that's who I am. But like, sorry, oops, I, I need to fix
0: this. Yeah, no,
1: I, I'm sorry. The wheels just came off the bus. <laughs> um, but I'm seeing in the political arena, no one's having an oops. The wheels came off the bus. It is no. literally my way, and this is what I want. And I don't care who dies. And that's the difference. It's I don't care who dies.
0: That's the that's the huge thing, you know. Tech Week usually. In a show, Tech Week is mo- nine times out of ten not life and death unless you're in a Julie Taymor musical. <laughs> that was also shade. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so what we're dealing with things that are every day life and death. Yes,
1: yes, exactly. So, I mean, and so now we're here. So now where are the, where are with artistic imposters? since we do both? You know where, where are their artistic imposters? What do you think about that, Blake? I mean Well, I think it's, I think artistic, as, or artistic imposter syndrome. I mean, I, yeah, I, I would say hundred percent. <laughs> that artists have the imposter syndrome i
0: i oh definitely, I think almost almost across the board, I think it's pretty likely whether you've dealt with it or not or or acknowledge it in yourself or not I, yeah, I think right now is bringing out a different kind of artistic imposter syndrome, and a lot of it is feedback based because. I don't know about you, but for my artistic process since the dawn of social media, I've had to really temper myself with accepting commentary because if you get rattled by the bad, then you have to accept all of the praise as well and all of the negativity and all of it. So it's, it's like believing reviews about yourself and letting it affect you have to take both, right? You have to take both, or you have to filter, and you have to have a strong filter, and you have to really sift through and not let your output be affected by what's coming back at you. And when we're, you know, doing a television show with a live studio audience, or not, even if it's a, a single camera situation, and we watch it on, you know, on a network or on cable, or we're doing a live show, like you're not getting this immediate response. I mean, I guess if you're live tweeting your show, maybe, right. but um, but you're not getting this instantaneous response that on every single performance platform now that we as artists are having to use because we can't do anything in person, you're getting that comment stream constantly. Yes. And I think that is contributing to, at least I know it is for me, it might be for others, that's contributing to An imposter syndrome in that, like, I still feel prepared and ready to perform in front of my computer screen or a camera that's connected to a computer screen, but you have to armor yourself in a different way, knowing that anybody can say anything in the middle of your work.
1: Right. So you're, and that, and that is one of the things that they say about the imposter syndrome that makes it worse. First of all, the imposter syndrome is worse for millennials because of social media yes because there can be trolls because someone can snipe into your world because someone can just reach in destroy whatever you're doing so for an artist that's terrifying.
0: And I talk about this all the time, specifically to my generation, because it took me a long time to accept the fact that I'm a millennial, (laughs) because it was such a nasty word at the beginning of the generational labeling. But really, when you think about it, the first piece of technology that we were exposed to in elementary school was like a Macintosh one with the green screen, and we were playing Oregon Trail, and where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? That was what technology was to us, and in just our lifetime between elementary school, and right post-college, just briefly post-college, we now have to navigate this entire new landscape in a world that when Facebook started, we weren't even old enough to have the tools to cope with it. Right, right.
1: Now, that's performing live on social media. Yes, that's that's a
0: specific thing that I'm
1: talking about. But now another way I think artists might be suffering in a different generation Mm Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm hearing from people in their 40s and their 50s and, and beyond is, you know, they don't believe in their, you know, part of the impassion. they believe in their, in their accomplishments. So they feel against the clock. Mm-hmm. Is it too late? How dare I think I could still put out a record? How dare I think I still have music inside of me? Do I still think there's a Broadway show I could get? Really, do I think a series is still, do I still think I could get a series under my belt? Do I still think I have a pilot that could be written?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is there still a book? And I'm here to tell you, yeah, there is. I mean, totally. for sure there is, for sure there is, for sure there is, and here's something even better. We've never been here before, so we do not know what the landscape is going to look like on the other side of this, through this, and during this. So please keep writing, please keep singing, please keep acting. Please keep expressing your music because we do not know how the world is going to consume it.
0: Yes. I've been thinking a lot about this because, you know, I I sometimes, especially with the entertainment landscape and going forward, I do get a little bogged down in the mire of, well, it's always just going to be, the next younger, hotter thing. And even when it comes back, it's just going to be, they're just going to want, you know, 12 year olds running the industry, right? Right. And it's like what we've never, the moment that we've never sat in, in a post social media entertainment world, we've never had a moment where the only people with buying power are Gen X and older. Because we don't have anybody younger than Gen X unless you just were a a Wonderkind you know, billionaire at 25 or millionaire at 27. Yeah. Like, we're suddenly going to have to market. We are not going to be able to ignore people that are not in their 20s anymore. Like, we could for a long time. And I feel like it was a bad thing and it really did damage to our culture. But we're finally going to have to deal with that.
1: I agree with you. And this is where you're also going to have people that are going to want to go back to nostalgia. Yeah. We're going to want to hold books in their hand again. I, I'm hearing a resurgence of drive-in movies. Yes, there's things that you know our parents are going to want to see and want to do that maybe my kids, your god kids, are never, never heard of before. Yeah, there's going to be this. I'm telling you, there's going to be this amazing landscape that opens up. And it, you're right, it isn't going to be the youngest, hottest thing because they're not going to know
0: what that is. Or how to do it. Correct. How do you have training to do the things that we have traditionally done? It's Correct. going to have to be retaught and relearned.
1: So that's what I'm saying. I think everybody needs to quiet the inner critic and just keep expressing, just keep writing and not think about, well, this is how it used to be. Because the thing that no. screws us up the most is the picture of how it was supposed to be. Right. So we have to just say, let's, what do I have to say? What do I have to say?
0: Absolutely. And express it. Right? Well, because every, every time in any industry that you say, well, this is how it always has been, you're in trouble. You've you're already lost the game. Right, right. And that doesn't just apply to entertainment. That literally can apply across the board.
1: Right. And it's all changing. It's yeah, all. Changing. Everything. According to Blake and Allison, it is. Well,
0: I mean, according to us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you have something down here on our, on our agenda, and I'm very yes. curious that is and you have Uh, imposter syndrome in allyship
0: yes well this is my bridge this is my bridge to our next topic we would be remiss in our current events episode and everything that's going on to not not only talk about and discuss but honor and uh, inform on the Black Lives Matter movement and why this particular moment is different than any other. And and impor- it's not any more important. It's always been important. But I think more people are listening right now and more people have the time to listen. And so I think we can, we can affect the most amount of change right now. So I do in the imposter thing, and then we'll bridge the actual movement uh, right from there. But the allyship imposter syndrome, I'm seeing a lot of people have right now, and, it, and it's coming hand in hand with the fatigue of, oh my gosh, I suddenly care so much about this very important thing that I'm now very embarrassed about that I haven't cared about because I haven't seen past my privilege, and oh my gosh, this has been so bad for so long, and now I've done, I've gone to the protest, I've done the thing, I've made the donation, I've talked to friends, I've posted, I've done, and how do I sustain it? And so now I feel like a fraud in this moment that I haven't, that I haven't doing been it. doing it before, and that now I feel like a fraud that I'm tired, that now it's only been a few weeks and I'm already not knowing what to do next.
1: Well, it becomes, um, am I not authentic about exactly. it? Exactly. And you have your own inherent racism or learned behaviors, or un- you, now you have to unlearn something. Yeah. That's a, you know, a tough lesson to face, A, alone, B, without feedback, C, in such a watershed moment. Yes, yes. Right? Where we are not allowed to close our eyes and look the other way. We must learn, we must recognize, and we must change, right? It, right? Intention is not enough. It isn't. Right? It isn't enough. So- the imposter syndrome is probably very, very prevalent right now in that world, in the ally, sh- in being an ally, yeah, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and kind of what I want to say to anybody that's feeling that right now, because I certainly have had moments in the past couple of weeks where I've started to feel what like That
1: is not telling the truth. Exactly.
0: But I do want to speak to the people right now that are feeling that way and and just encourage encourage you as much as i'm encouraging myself that if you're having that feeling you're walking in the right direction
1: oh that's beautifully said
0: because if you're beautifully- if you're reflective enough on your place in this movement whether it's just to be an ally which for all of us white people it is just to be an ally but wherever you are in this movement if you're having that feeling like oh my gosh i'm i'm an ally imposter then you're walking yeah. you're walking forward you're you're walking closer to the right
1: in the lane, yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, and remember, being an ally in this scenario is a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we know has been a learned behavior that we have to possibly unlearn, yeah. and it's our responsibility.
0: Yeah, it right? absolutely is.
1: Which brings us to yeah beginning of June. Right. Uh, no, July beginning of July. I'm sorry. Uh, no June. June. See, I, yeah. That's enough. That's one that I do have to say something about quarantine. I am a woman who marks time. I usually like I know what day it is, I know where we are. Uh, wow, wait. Honestly, you could have put a gun to my head right now and said your children at the whole world, <laughs> and I would have been like
0: it was it was July, right? It started in July. No. No, June. Oh gosh, yeah. so it was six weeks yeah. ago. Um Wow. Yeah. And I, I think the the fascinating yeah. thing about this moment is we, I mean, we saw some horrible things happen, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, countless others. It, it's nothing new is the sad thing. It's like, I mean, thank God more people are waking up and listening, but we right. can't, Acknowledge them without acknowledging all all All. of it, the giant systemic problem, the birth defect of America that is slavery. It's so entrenched. Systemic racism is so entrenched in almost everything that is American. It's almost why so many racists are acting like Black Lives Matter is an un American position.
1: Yeah. And to, to that point on July 7th, it was my daughter's 15th birthday, and I went to Post and I have a, of course, because I mark time. I have a time hop. It came up, you know, remember
0: three years ago. What were we doing?
1: (laughs) Came up was Orlando Castile and Alton Sterling. Mm -hmm. That three years ago, on uh, I'm sorry, four years ago, on that day, I had posted on her birthday. Today is my daughter's birthday, and I had posted a Black Lives Matter post for her birthday for those two gentlemen. Yeah. I was posting on her birthday four years later the same like I yeah. so you're but what I'm echoing your point is like just because we're all aware now and now we're all getting education it's the same it's happening yeah. the brutality is there the the killing is there yeah. right and it's late but it's it's time to make a change and keep our voices going right right so here's the here's the word that no one wants to talk about what is it being anti racist or what what is you know when you nobody likes the, to hear the word racist or racism mm-hmm. or anti or yep right that's yep I think it makes people you know stop and I think we have to take the power out of it and empower it so that people can start to get educated and do the right thing.
0: Well, first of all, yeah, we have to change the conversation so that people are proud to say I am an anti-racist, not de- yes. not defensively saying, "Well, I'm not racist" because if you're saying, "Well, I'm not racist," then I can pretty much guarantee you are. <laughs> and I don't even say that as an assault. It's like I know so many people that are um people yes. that I love that are. And so I think we have to destigmatize coming out proudly to say I am anti-racist. I am against anything that is racist. And part of being an anti-racist is, as a white person, is understanding that you are gonna mess up and that you are going to still be inclined to racist tendencies. And I say that very carefully because there are biases that are built into this systemic problem that we as white people have benefited from since day one. And yep. that doesn't make us bad people, but not acknowledging it and not being willing to look inside ourselves and go, oh, that was a moment of bias. That's what's wrong.
1: Yes. Also, being an anti racist is not just saying, I'm going to look the other way or I'm not. It's understanding what happens to a racialized person, yes. is understanding it, right? You may unknowingly be a part of the problem. Right.
0: And being able to admit to your friends of color and, and I mean, even, even strangers of color that you come in contact with that you, you will never understand, mm-hmm. but you must stand with.
1: Stand with and, and probably just wh- when you're standing with silently yeah. and you're called upon. Listen, listen right? first.
0: Yeah, this is not, this is not our, yeah, every, pretty much everything that I'm saying is like inherently to speak to other white people about this.
1: Always it's and that was that was the first thing that was very important because when i was first trying to like how do i how do i use my voice and how do i be an ally and that's that was the something that someone brought to my attention that helped me tremendously she's like you're you're speaking to other white people
0: <laughs> And, and it's important. That is our responsibility. This is, you know, white supremacy and racism is a white problem. It is not a black person problem. It's a white problem. And it's a white, and it's up to white people to fix it with other white people. And, and that's not an exclusionary thing. That's a, it's a responsibility issue. We have the power, and we have the responsibility. And now we need to dismantle the power and spread the responsibility.
1: And there's something to just so I can circle back, microaggressions mm. create the imposter syndrome in yes. people. So we must watch the language. So well spoken, well articulated. Words like that, those microaggressions, yeah. they create the imposter syndrome, not just in racism, but in anything, men and women. Oh you yeah. Know, it
0: happens all the time with gender.
1: All of those microaggressions that they are they, they they feed right into the imposter yeah. syndrome. So not just us, but employers. There, there is way it can be fought on all yes. levels, right? on all levels. Because marginalizing a group, targeting it, it starts Absolutely. there. If you become aware, once you become aware of something, you're able to fix right. it. Well,
0: and as white people that exist in fairly liberal communities that you and I do exist and circle in, it is really the microaggressions that we have to check ourselves and each other on because we, we deal in a lot of liberal thinking people that don't think of a microaggression. Right.
1: Because what you're doing, you're creating an atmosphere of, of, of making people need to fit in. There's a sense of proficiency that starts to be created that then eats at someone's confidence that then that's what creates that syndrome,
0: yeah. right? Uh, I have a dear friend that uh, is in Singers of Soul with me, Zakia Young, and she's been on Broadway multiple times. She's extremely brilliantly talented, but in this Pass the mic initiative on Instagram where white Broadway performers were passing the mic to performers of color to have hard discussions and Zakia did one specifically about microaggressions in the musical theater world in which is a again a community that kind of likes to pat itself on the back of like we've done so much or we've done more than other people but there's still so 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 much work to be done and so far behind but I encourage any of our listeners to check out the Pass the mic initiative. My friend Zakia took over for Kelly O'Hara, Tony Award-winning Kelly O'Hara's Instagram, and did multiple conversations. And they're just spectacular, and they're enlightening. And even if you're not in the arts, even if you're not in the musical theater world, the lessons that can be learned from those conversations are incredible.
1: Yes. Yes. I adore Zakiya. She's great. Okay. So what can we
0: do? What can we send people away with? Well, first of all, I, the, the one thing I briefly want to speak on <laughs> the, what I think is the problem with the Karen situation right now mm. and w- how a lot of liberal people have, have been sort of patting themselves on the back, like, oh, look, we got one. She got fired from her job. Oh, look at this one we caught on camera. Oh, look at this one waving a gun. Look at this one that we took care of. Well, we shut her down. We ruined her life. We did this, we did that. My problem with that is, I mean, there yes, they, all of these incidences that we're seeing, it's all terrible behavior and it should, there should be accountability and there should be consequences for terrible behavior. That's goes without saying. But the problem with Karen as a concept is if you're white, you've, you've been a Karen, whether you know it or not, we all have. And I know that's super uncomfortable. I know that's going to make a bunch of people really uncomfortable listening, but like, I know for a fact that I've been a Karen. I know for a fact that you've been a Karen.
1: We've probably been with each other. We've probably
0: other. been, Kevin and Karen in the same space right. like and i think again we we need to look at what is the system what is the culture that has made it okay for that behavior to exist for so long that's the fix it's thinking beyond the like oh gotcha moments like yes people should be called on their crap all the time that should be the norm but right. making it this almost joke in culture right now by labeling it in this generic way is, once again, it's-
1: It's gonna spin by, right back around and it's just gonna create another problem. And and I don't think anybody wants to create another situation that we've already been in. I, I no, really don't. No. I don't think that at all. Look, nothing's more infuriating than when someone's losing their mind in a public forum. And, and no matter how correct you think you are in that forum when you're losing your mind, right. Nobody around you thinks you're correct. No. You look bad. Yeah. You look bad, even if you're 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Everybody around you, you just look like a lunatic. Yeah. You look unhinged, you know, the whole thing, the wheels off the bus, the whole... I always say, is there any way when that happens that you can just stop and just see the other person for the humanity that they are? Right no matter how horrible they might be, what like the customer service is or- Right, right, right. I am not talking here with someone saying racial slurs.
0: No, 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 no. I do not ask anyone to stop and see- Oh, no, no, no. Matters. No, no, no. Or, or if someone, well, and again, this is this is to our point of this is a white to white conversation because like right. these women and men and the the type of care and behavior that we've seen actually endangers the lives of people of color. So this is a, that's a different- We're talking about as a bystander, what can you, yeah.
1: Losing their mind at a store over- A mask. Yes. You know, is there any way to de-escalate it from a humanity, from a humanity? Because really, I think a Karen at that point has themselves in a corner. Totally. And they may not know how to get out of it other than to fight their way out of it. Yep. Do you agree with me in this? I mean, do we try to help the Karen out of the situation or do we look the other way?
0: I think we can't look the other way anymore because because of what I just said. Because for a person of color in a situation like that, it could become a potentially life-threatening situation at any Correct. moment. Whereas to another white person, it wouldn't be.
1: So- not adding fuel to the fire it's literally saying like okay everybody like I don't think so we how to help how to remove someone from the situation
0: or I mean I think the engagement as in a situation like that especially if it's a racially fueled moment and you're another white person uh, as uncomfortable as it would be like step out of your comfort zone I'm not saying it would be easy it's Probably one of the hardest things in the world to do, but I think you almost the only way you can confront really bad behavior like that again, as long as it is there's not a weapon involved or, you know, a, a, a potentially actually dangerous scenario. You are an ally? Have to be an ally. You have to be an ally. You can't speak for any minority or marginalized community. But I do think you can hold up a mirror with a simple phrase. And I think if in in calmness and directness, even if you have to be pretty stern, borderline aggressive, to ask someone, what are you trying to accomplish with what you're saying? Beautiful. Because people like in those moments, I feel like aren't even thinking about the actions of their words or the actionability of their words. I don't know if that's a word, actionability. But you know what I mean, the the re- repercussions of what could be their words.
1: But they're also so locked into their ideology, their hatred, hatred their, yeah. it's almost like you have to snap them out of a trance. Because yeah. the objective is not to change their mind in that moment, it is to mm-hmm. take De-escalate. the focus off of the person that is receiving
0: the
1: unwarranted, unnecessary- Yes,
0: unjust- aggression. Yeah. 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 And I'm not saying that's gonna work, like a Jedi mind trick. You know, you can't just wave your hand and go- (laughs) But
1: somebody hears that the same way I heard, hey, when you're speaking, remember you're speaking to other white people. If someone hears this and you're somewhere and you hear something, if you hear something, say something. If you see something, say something just don't meet it with the same energy that it's being met with. I think,
0: and I think that's another big component too, is we all, you know, those of us that do care about equality and care about equal justice, we do get fired up about these kinds of things. And so we want the reaction to be like the crusade, you know, charge full speed ahead. And that's not always the best course of action. It's actually rarely the best course of action in some of these more delicate situations that, you know, that we actually, unfortunately still have more of the power in the situation to dismantle hopefully that will change and hopefully we are changing that but in certain places and in certain moments it's a it's a harsh reality that we as uh, as white people talking to other white people have to understand and and admit
1: but it circles back to what you said this is a problem that we created yes. it's a problem we have to dismantle that is part of the dismantling of it this is part of the reeducation this is the part of of, of redirecting and it, it is part of the steps that have to be taken. It's an ugly situation and there will be ugly moments. Hopefully they will get brighter and brighter and it's just not in education. And it is just not on Instagram and your
0: social media. The, right. Hands will have to get a little rough and- It's true. It's, we're gonna have to have the hard conversations I you know I was I was very proud of my mom who still has a bunch of friends in uh, rural Texas, and yes. uh, she's been like we all have sort of having more time to sit at home and reach out to people you haven't talked to in a long time, yeah. and she's had some really difficult conversations with people that I saw your
1: mom the other day. I know exactly what you're talking about. I
0: mean, and I mean, it's her story. We can have her on some other episode to tell it, but she has had to, she's, she's actually already lost a couple of friends in having conversations surrounding Black Lives Matter. And she was okay with it. My baby boomer mom was totally okay with it because she was like this, I can't, I can't not say something. I can't not correct, try to open, not correct you, but try to open your eyes to seeing a broader perspective of the world.
1: Our, Our moms Blake and my mom um, social distance on my front lawn. They're
0: very close. <laughs>
1: they have a cocktail hour. <laughs> <laughs> they have a timer, a mask. They sit apart. She was telling this story, and they were both talking about, you know, listen. If our baby, you're correct. If our baby boomer moms can figure this out and know how to redirect and and change their thought processes and 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 be open and speak up. Yes, and then the younger generation and everybody in between has to get on board. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Before we move on to um, and close this this segment out, talk to me, supporting black businesses.
0: Yes. There are so many, there are so many resources online and like, you know, again, this is one of those things, this, this should have been a no brainer already, but for so many of us, it's just, we don't, you know, we don't think about our spending power being a political statement usually, unless we're donating to a political cause, but one of the greatest things you can do is support Black businesses. Minority businesses have a harder time getting licenses. They have a harder time getting real estate. They have a harder time getting loans. They they have they have faced so much more adversity than just a general white person trying to start up a business or do any of those things in the business sector. So just the simple act of supporting Black restaurants and shops and online businesses and artists that that is putting your money where your mouth is and i will we, we we could do a whole and probably should do a whole podcast about boycott culture um and i have a lot of Opinions on boycott culture, but the, one of the things that I think is so much more powerful even than a boycott because a boycott can work in certain scenarios. But what I think is even more powerful is putting your money towards something that you are for.
1: Let's empower, not disempower
0: something. Let's empower. Right now, I know there are exceptions and certain things do need to be dismantled, and we will talk. We'll talk, no, 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 we'll no, talk
1: all agree. about that some I other
0: agree. time. But but I but this is really you know it sounds simple, but it's a really powerful thing that you can do.
1: And maybe uh, what we'll do is we'll put together our top five or top 10 list of of our favorite. I know I have a couple Etsy shops. I really love mm-hmm. that we can put on uh, the link to this yeah. podcast Yeah.
0: to empower. Absolutely. That will mean more to friends of color that are quietly watching your posts and actions. I guarantee you that will mean more than just posting a hashtag or posting a a thing agree your support put it putting our dollars behind behind this movement really it really matters i really believe that it matters
1: i agree i totally agree with you yes okay love that I love this conversation. I would like to keep having we it. We will we
0: will keep having this conversation because it's going to go on and on and on and and this is one way that we can keep the conversation going is by literally keeping the conversation going.
1: So, this conversation Black Lives Matter, it was inspiring and heartbreaking and heart-wrenching and heart-opening and like it was every emotion and at the same time it felt like for me at least and I don't know if you felt this way, it felt like in LA here <laughs> everyone forgot that we were having a pandemic. Hey everybody, this thing called parallel thought and we can have two major things happening at the same time and one is not more powerful than the other. We can hold both of them in each hand and give them both the utmost respect and attention that they deserve and we cannot Mm -hmm. drop this thing called the global pandemic did you did you feel the way I felt, that everyone acted like, oh, that virus thing. Yeah, yeah, we're done with that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no. Like it was a
0: new that. artisanal donut sh- donut shop that opened up in Sherman Oaks. <laughs> like, oh, that was fun last month.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was making me crazy, but at the same time, I, I was trying to voice it, but I didn't want anybody Anti- to think movement. I was, I was not, I was like, this needs to happen and it should continue, but here's this hand and here's the other hand, they're both equally right. important, well, gang. And both dangerous not to, to ignore. You can't ignore either. What I saw
0: specifically in Los Angeles was a very, it, that the problem with people ignoring the pandemic during the movement were actually not any of the protesters or any of the people on the front lines of the movement. The people on the front lines of the movement were all in masks, were social distancing, were being careful, were not carpooling in, playing by the rules, were being aware. You know, seemingly so much uh, organization in just, and I I don't mean like the organizations were doing a fantastic job, but like personal organization seemed like it was at an all-time high. With that, it was the other people. It was the people that weren't showing up, <laughs> seemed to be like, "Oh, the trend is over."
1: Who thought it was just oh, time to play? Right. Now we're done.
0: Yeah, it's like COVID is not yeah. Coachella. It doesn't last two weekends.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's yeah. still it's still going. It's still going. <laughs> we we still have it going on. So, like we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about the pandemic, and but what do you think about it now that we are? you know well still here. yeah because now we we talked about the first phase and being in shelter and stay and yes we are in los angeles but things are we it looks like we're entering into a second phase of shutting down and it is the middle of july and again our country is divided in two some,
0: yep. some are shutting down
1: some aren't shutting down and the cdc said if everyone would just stop for four right. weeks we would be good well and Broadway is closed yeah. till 2021
0: I mean, I, you know, I think the huh, I think the biggest this is going to even sound cliche coming out of my mouth, but like the, the biggest thing we can do is vote. We've we've got to vote and everyone's got to vote because right. the, literally we are voting on so much more than removing Donald Trump from office. This is not this is not about voting for Joe Biden as president. I mean, that's lovely that hopefully that will happen, but we're voting on so much more so many more things are at stake. So much has been dismantled. So much of our government has been dismantled. So much of our constitution has been rescinded. Whether you like to believe that or not, it has. It's a shockingly unprecedented time. It's an in, it it really is. I like that you used the word incredible earlier because we we use incredible, especially like in show business, it's like such a positive, oh my God, you were incredible. That was incredible. But like, you actually think about the definition of incredible, not credible. We are living in a time that is non-credible.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, talk about cognitive yes. dissonance. I mean, nothing. It's okay to have one thing where you're like, oh, one state you can drive 55 miles an hour in another state. You can drive 65 in another state. Sure, can that's drive based 70. on a lot of things. Okay, that's based on a lot of things. We are in a situation where this affects the entire yeah, the world, right? And we we're behaving like totally. five
0: year olds. Well, and this is the point that I wanted to make earlier. Now that we've cycled back around to this conversation, when we were talking about like masks mm-hmm. and you know the politicizing uh-huh. of masks and all of this yeah i i think you know we're seeing a lot of european nations bounce back really quickly from covid-19 and because of yeah. and i do think there has something to do with like we are seeing and we're seeing this in all parts of our country right now but we are really seeing the ugly side of extreme capitalism right now and because we have built an entire system of thought in our country that people are products and products are money, and so people are money, and that that's all of, that's of value, it becomes a very selfish, internalized God complex of it's I, me, mine, it's me out for me, you out for you, and no sense of community whatsoever and no communal responsibility whatsoever because that's bad, that's communist, that's socialist. That means I'm giving up my rights, I'm giving up my money and we have created this fear. It's almost like a new red scare. It's so ridiculous.
1: Way of putting it, instead of seeing it as compassion and humanity, humanity. I mean, we have not heard one word of humanity, compassion. You know, here's the thing, does anybody realize I mean, really, when we're having a mask discussion, I'm not wearing the mask mm-hmm. for me. I'm wearing the yeah, mask for you. Yeah,
0: it's for someone else. It's not. That it's little piece of cloth is not going to protect us if someone else is not wearing a mask. So it's not. This is not. Yeah.
1: Me coming towards you with a mask. You yeah, should say so thank so that
0: you know you. I'm. I'm being cognizant of you.
1: Even when I tell the kids when they're outside or out front and I say, I want you to always have a mask someone just in by, case you can someone just quickly... comes by. I want them to know that you have respect for them, that you put the mask on so they know that you're willing to take exactly. care of them. That's yes. what this is about. Yes. And you know, because there's statistic and we had wanted to ask about the global pandemic and how it impacts mm. artists. So because we are talking the con artists and we are both artists, And Broadway is closed Mm -hmm. till 2021. That relieved me of so much anxiety when they did that. Once I saw that, because I'm a speaker and we both do theater, and I was like, listen, if Broadway can have humanity and the foresight and understand what's going on and say, okay, 2021, we're done. And I know that Disney is open. In Florida. Disney World is open.
0: I can't imagine.
1: Um, And I know Equity took a very strong stance Mm -hmm. with them.
0: Yeah, because in case listeners don't know, all of the performance contracts that are singing and dancing and acting together contracts at Disney at the Disney World Walt Disney World Resort are all equity. Here in uh, California and Anaheim, we're AGVA, so it's a little bit different, more of a gray area. But there, it's it's an equity contract. So a lot of our greatest, some of our greatest Broadway talent got their equity card because they went and did a summer at Walt Disney World in one of the many long running musicals and shows that run in the parks. So it would be putting so 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 many performers in danger if equity had not taken a big stance against.
1: And they did, which I I so appreciate their their stance for the performer and their health and the humanity and taking this global pandemic seriously, but here's the thing. Broadway closed 2021. Cirque du Soleil filed for bankruptcy, which cut 3500 jobs. Held Laid off 90% of its workforce permanently cruise ship entertainment are out of work. Theme park productions are slightly back, but that's just Walt Disney. Okay. There are no concerts or touring productions, performing arts organizations of all kinds, choirs, theaters, orchestras, dance companies are all trying to figure out on a daily basis of how to keep going and employ anyone they can in their field, but they are all shut down. That is 12 million people in the U S a $38 billion per year industry cannot reopen in mass gatherings, mm-hmm. okay? They cannot reopen. That's 12 million people are out of work. Until everyone wears a mask, they cannot reopen. Yeah. It's 12 million people. I'm one of,
0: I'm one of the 12 million. <laughs> yeah,
1: We all are. It's, it's very, very personal so. to us. Not to yeah. mention we have baby boomer parents. Very it's much. very personal to us. Just remember... I'm not wearing the mask for myself. I just yeah. thought those statistics were really, when people hear it, it's not, oh, you want to go no, see your some, theater? No, yeah, it's someone's, know, it's someone's and, job. And
0: I think a big uh, misconception in uh, the talk, the talk of the entertainment industry and the live performance industry shutting down is, you know, people do sort of associate it with only the top-grossing things, the f- most famous. They're like, oh, um, Hamilton yeah. can't. Perform tonight. You know, like it's not about that. It's about the stage manager at Hamilton that's making equity scale. It's about the, you know, it's about the fly operator at Phantom in the UK that's had a job for over 30 years that then was asked to clean his cubby out this week. It's those people that survive paycheck to paycheck.
1: What are they going to do? Performers are a little more resilient, they're used to maybe picking up something on the fly, they kind of maybe know how when to do it. When you're an expert in the field, together.
0: when you're the top spot operator in all of New York that just goes from Broadway show to Broadway show to Broadway show, what do you do?
1: Correct, correct. So we are in a global pandemic. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, it is something that affects the entire yeah.
0: world. Yeah. So yeah. pay attention. Think outside of your four walls.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's it. And of course it, it, it
0: affects so much. <laughs> it yeah. does. All right. Are we ready for the four G's?
1: I mean, yes, I am. It's Please. time.
0: Oh, oh, Louis, ready. It's time for uh, Grace, Gratitude, Grit and Guts. My new favorite segment, yes. This uh, just to recap quickly, since it's only our second episode, this was born out of me being tacky because Allison signs her emails with grace and gratitude. And I mockingly sent an email back to her one day that said, with grit and guts. <laughs> so that tells you everything you need to know about <laughs> us. Um, so each week we're going to turn the tables on uh-huh. each other and ask each other to give what the opposite impulse would be. So for me, I have to give either grace or gratitude to some. and Allison has to give either a grit or guts to something and I made it either or so that we don't have so that we can make this segment like kind of quick okay what's your grace and gratitude this week so my gratitude this week is a really silly thing I bought a new bed (laughs) and I'm so grateful for it I had had the same bed since college and it had moved from apartment to apartment because it was really great but it was just it was one of those very mid-century modern Japanese style like low beds and I just it was just time I was tired of like crawling down into bed (laughs) as opposed to laying on a bed I'm I'm an adult now you're
1: grown up
0: (laughs) I'm officially an adult now and I have a real grown-up bed with a real grown-up headboard that actually like sits against the wall it's a it's a real thing and i'm so grateful for it and i know that sounds really stupid but these are the small things that we have to be grateful for in quarantine when our house is our whole world
1: last week you said no judgment and i'm rolling there you go no judgment and i'm rolling you have a
0: grit or a guts
1: i do my back is hurting oh do i have to start doing (laughs)
0: sit-ups Oh my God. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Yes. And I really have to be better
0: about sleeping. So is it just your back is hurting because your core needs to activate a little bit more? Yes. Just make sure you keep your spine on the ground or you're on the surface you're on when you're doing crunches. That's just my only like little amateur personal trainer tip.
1: And here's the thing. Like I've been very blessed during quarantine. That you know, I haven't gained any weight and all that stuff, so I've been very like, oh, look at me, I'm doing <laughs> it. And then my back, I'm like, Are you kidding me? Ugh. So I have to be better about it because, you know, the big five o <laughs> is five months away. So <laughs> no, I don't. Walking like I'm five o. No,
0: no, you're gonna no. you're gonna be a, a Brad Pitt five o.
1: <laughs> so you need. Oh God. <laughs> um, so- <laughs> So, I need, so I need a little accountability on the.
0: Well, that's actually both, because it's going to take a little bit of grit to to commit to do it, and it's going to take actual guts, because you're going to have to flex your guts.
1: <laughs> I. Am, this is why I'm. If anyone's watching the video, this is why I'm moving on account. <laughs> you're like, oh.
0: Like oh. Is this oh over God. Now? <laughs> I get it. I get it.
1: So that's us. All right. So. so- that was a good one. All right. This was good. This was good. So I'm so glad I feel better. Like, not that we can't have fun, but I just wanted people to know where we stood with everybody. Yes.
0: Yes, we needed, we, we couldn't not acknowledge what was going on because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff is going to, we're going to come back to this. And we've got, we've got more to say, obviously, more to say about the pandemic, more to say about Black Lives Matter. But we just couldn't, it, we would have been remiss to not mention it.
1: And we'd like to have fun and we'd like to laugh and we'd like to make, you know, fun of things, but we're never, we are, we are never in any way skirting over what
0: is going on in the world. Absolutely not. Are you ready for some trivia? Yeah. All right, we're going to do a trivia question every week. Uh, If you listened last week, you know this already. We, we love trivia. I'm going to pick a different category every week until I run out of categories. Yes.
1: But the trivia, they they don't hear on here.
0: No, you don't hear the answer here.
1: Where do they hear the answer?
0: You hear the answer on our Patreon. Patreon! First of all, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Pod. Right. And we're going to have um, fun stuff there. Yes, we're going to be posting a bunch of fun stuff. But you can also go to our Patreon, which is patreoncom slash Podcast. Right, have to type the whole word in for Patreon, and you will get. Uh, there's mo- there's going to be multiple tiers uh, that you can subscribe to to get bonus content. You can get uh, the answer to the trivia question,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and uh, all sorts of fun things. And we've got uh, some ideas of some some really fun interactive things that we're planning for the future. If you're willing to give us the dollars, because as much as we adore doing this. Like we said, we are two of the million, 12 million.
1: For the 12 million.
0: <laughs> that are out of work and don't have money coming in. So if you're enjoying this, yes, we're doing this because we love it, but we're also doing this because we need to make money.
1: And also where can they find you, Blake?
0: Uh, they can find me at Blake McIver everywhere. How about you?
1: At the Allison Robertson or at Allison Robertson anywhere.
0: All right. So if you've already subscribed to our Patreon, Thank you. So much. Here's here's the trivia question you'll have the answer to next week. And I, I decided to go with history since we're talking about all of this, you know, unprecedented time. So I pulled up history and it's, and we, we talked a lot about the, as I said, sitting president, but this history question is presidential. Which U.S. president served the shortest term of about two months because of dying From Simple Cold.
1: My daughter just yelled the answer with her I didn't hear it. I didn't
0: hear it. Literally, two-month term, dying from the common cold. So, you know, if you're not taking corona seriously, wear your damn mask.
1: Yeah, wear the mask. If you need a mask, go check out my mom's Instagram.
0: Oh, yeah. What is that? What is that? My mom's mask. At my mom's masks. Yeah. Great. Fabulous. I love it. Well, this has been in fun, informative,
1: (laughs) fun, informative. And I love you. And I love this doing this with you. And I
0: love you too.
1: Can't Wait, I can't wait to hear from the peeps.
0: Yes. Yes. Give us a shout out. Uh, Send us a message. Uh, If you have a topic idea, send us a topic idea. We're not going to guarantee that we'll do them, but we will definitely hear them. (laughs) We'll look at it. But we hope you all have enjoyed this more somber discussion, but we will continue to not shy away from the tough issues as we also find the fun and the light and the levity in between.
1: And we'll always be honest. And It was great to talk to you this week, Blake.
0: Great to talk to you too. Thank you all for listening to The Con Artist Pod.